Hey weirdos, welcome to Splatter Brains, a podcast where we talk about our mutual love for horror, the horror genre, and everything that falls under that, movies, books, folklore, my taste in that, just kidding. Um, kidding. I'm, I'm not kidding, I'm a little serious, but we will cover that in a different episode. Um, I am Nikki, and I am here with Alex. Alex, Hello. say hey. Yeah. Greetings. Good job. And also Brad. Hey. Hi. Hey, Brad. Hey, Brad. Hey, Alex. Hey, Brad. Here we are. Um, if you put our first three initials together, it's B-A-N, Ban. So that's kind of cool. But um, here we go. Today in Splatterbrains, the podcast where we talk about horror stuff, we decided we wanted to talk about sequels, horror sequels. So uh, that's what we're going to talk about today. And before I uh, get us started with our first question, I thought I should share a quote from Scream 2 because I rewatched it today. Um, This is a quote from Randy, a.k.a. Jamie Kennedy, Scream 2, circa 1997. He says, I have it written down, the entire horror genre was destroyed by sequels. On that note, I would love to hear what each of your favorite or some of your favorite horror sequels are. Tell me about it. I was watching this the other day, actually, in preparation for this podcast. But I'm a big fan of the 2009 sequel reboot of Friday the 13th. And when I was looking through Letterboxd, I might be one of the few people who was a fan of that movie. We have so much to talk about. And I had I, that was the last thing I was expecting you to say. I'll let you continue. But wow. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it is very, very much of the times. It is very, like, late 2000s. There's two, like, blonde Chad dudes in there that could just be the same character, like, split into two people. It's really bizarre seeing them interact, because they're like, yeah, bro, okay, bro. And then one of them is the the beautiful brother from Supernatural. I don't remember the actor's name, but... Jared Padalecki. He's actually the main character, not the Chad dude. Wait, um, this is the reboot where Jason shoots like a bow and arrow across the lake. Is that a kill from that movie? Yes. Had to have brought that up in one of our old episodes of the show we used to do. Because I think that is one of the f- hardest I've laughed in a theater was the fact that it was just like a compound bow that like my dad uses to hunt deer. And he's just standing on the dock. You just see people in a boat that are like, yeah, this is a good time. And then all of a sudden there's an arrow through one of their heads. And then it just pans back to him with a bow. All right, I've already come around on it. You're right. This is the best horror sequel. It's the best Friday the 13th for sure. Yeah, don't, it's don't quote it. me on that. I'm on recording saying <laughs> that now. Well, I mean, it's the last time that like we'll probably see Jason for a long time until somebody dies because there's that whole like giant legal battle going on around the character and then the franchise Friday the 13th. So we probably won't see. It actually ended up shutting down the Friday the 13th video game that they made, that legal battle, which is crazy. Like the game existed. And they took it offline because of this legal battle. But no, I was a huge fan of it when I first saw it. And the other day when I watched it, it wasn't as good as I remembered. But I remember just loving that Jason was like super like brutal in it. Like instead of just like a slow lumbering dude, he was like sprinting all out at people and like just running up with his machete, like full on like baseball bat swinging at it. And I thought it was a cool job that they did of kind of reimagining Jason. And I guess it's one of the first, maybe not one of the first, with a Halloween from 2018 i mean that's obviously a great one but that was like a sequel to the first one and kind of said ignore all the rest that's kind of what this friday the 13th did it was a sequel to the very first one 
And then it said, ignore everything else. He never went to space. He never fought Freddy Krueger. Yeah. It, it's definitely of the times, like I said. It's There's a lot of polos. And the main, the first like inciting act is like campers going into the woods to find a giant pot farm. It's so stupid. Nikki, have you seen it? I have because I do remember the bow and arrow scene, but it was also so forgettable to just 2009 in general. And not to um, detract from Friday the 13th. Hey, everybody. So for some reason, our recording software decided to go out right here. So I'm just recording a spot so that you know that's what happened. Welcome back to the show. Where were you? You were talking about. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. You were talking about Halloween 2. It's yes. Rob Zombie Halloween 2. Rob Zombie Halloween 2. So I was just saying that because that also came out, out in 2009 and was a sequel. Uh, it was actually a sequel to his reboot in 2007. But I digress. Brad, can you say more about the Friday the 13th legal battle stuff? I don't even know what that is. Oh, man. I should have prepared more information about this. From what I remember, I looked it up a few years ago because I randomly had the urge to watch Freddy vs. Jason, which is a strange movie. But I think the original director and his estate are claiming to own the care the rights to the film series of Friday the thirteenth, but the studio owns the rights to Jason Voorhees because he wasn't the killer in the first movie. And so like they're at odds with one another about where he can be used. I could be totally wrong, but this is like based off a of memory of like a Google search I did two years ago. I can look up more. And we can splice it in if we're really interested. I think but, horror fans are have some familiarity with it because it's talked about a lot, especially since yeah. some of that came out of Freddy versus Jason as well. I mean, you are talking about a Friday the 13th that came out later, but I think it's more important to focus on the fact that you did mention the beginning of that movie, how they're going to look for a pot farm, but you didn't mention that it doesn't show the title screen until almost like 25 minutes into the movie and he's killed the entire cast that you were first introduced to. Which is yeah. a pro move. It was it was the greatest misdirect where I forgot that I hadn't seen credits yet until he slams the girl into the thing with, uh, into a tree with a sleeping bag, and then also it's just Friday the Thirteenth, and I was like, we just started this movie. It's crazy. <laughs> quick, quick side note here because the sleeping bag murder is something that it's probably like the top five horror murders that sticks in my head. I thought that was Jason X when he was in space. It is. I think there's one in the new one too. There is, and I have this in my notes because I want to talk about it because it was really good. Okay. Um, and also, it was like one of those kills that you see in a movie it's, that kind of like sticks with you after, like, oh man, that sucks for this person. But like, he there's this guy and this girl, and they're doing stuff in the tent, and the guy way, hears way to go, Brett. <laughs> Very mature. Uh, yes. The guy hears a noise, so he goes into the woods to find out what this noise was, obviously. And he finds his friend's dead body, so he comes running back. Uh, but while he's gone, the girl in the tent, there's a shadow that appears behind her. Ooh. So she gets taken by the shadow. So it cuts back to the guy running back, and he sees a sleeping bag tied up to a tree over a campfire. Like that, and the sleeping bag's like engulfed in flames. And as he's running to it, his foot gets caught in a bear, uh, bear trap. And it's really good effects, like, on his leg. Because he's, like, pulling and pulling. But his girlfriend is in the sleeping bag, just being cooked. And it was pretty... I thought it was a pretty good series of kills there. That's just one man's opinion. You've slowly convinced me that I want to rewatch this, even though I only saw it in theaters. And I remember leaving going, like, that was dumb. And I think at the time, I don't... I didn't understand the point 
of Friday the 13th. I had seen, I think, the first three at the time. Um, and I'd probably seen Jason Goes to Hell when I was a kid. If not, I had seen the box art, and it scared me, because that is easily my least favorite. I like Jason Takes Manhattan more than I like Jason Goes to Hell. Uh, for those who don't know, it's the Jason movie without Jason. He possesses people. It's boring. And it's very, very, very early 90s. But that's it. I'm just... Brad going to bat for this movie was a surprise because I've talked shit about Platinum Dunes, the company that Michael Bay is a producer for or owns, and he reboots. Uh, he was known for rebooting franchises. He did the Nightmare on Elm Street reboot. He did the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles reboots where they look terrifying. And I love Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and I'm very forgiving, but, but my God, they're so gross to look at in those movies. That's, that's all I had to say about that. There was nothing really valid other than, damn, you've convinced me this movie's awesome. That's it. Not, yeah, but, I will say. Yeah. There's, there's a wood chipper, though, and the wood chipper isn't used on a body. He gets, what is it? He gets like a chain around his neck, and that gets pulled into the wood chipper. So it's like the shittiest, like, they just keep panning to it. Like, you're like, a body's getting put into that. It's definitely getting put into that. And then it doesn't. It's just somebody gets strung up and pulled in, like, by the neck. So it chokes somebody. But it's like, put him through the wood chipper. Come on, Hollywood. It's 2021. The last thing I want to say about this movie... We can move on, sorry. The last thing I want to say about this movie is that Lil Kev from Always Sunny, the rapper, ha- is in this movie as like a country bumpkin weed dealer. He also found that uh, field of weed that the campers were looking for. But he sits in a barn and he masturbates to uh, Playboy magazine. And then he hears like something going on in his barn. And he looks around and he runs into a mannequin. And he starts talking to the mannequin and reminds the mannequin of when she took his virginity. And he reminds the mannequin that she is quote, still tight. I just wanted to turn my mic on to laugh so that people knew that I appreciate recounting this story. I thought it was important also, to recount. It is. What if that, like, really wasn't actually a scene from the movie and that's just Brad retelling, like, his Friday night last week? It's like, oh, oh shit, yeah, that was a dream I had. A- <laughs> oh, shit, that was real. Um, yeah, I don't know. In the, the scheme of sort of sequels and franchises, I love Jason as a character so much and uh, just what he represents for the horror genre. But, uh, oh, Brad puts a mask, a Jason Max, up to his face for uh, those listening. But I really just am not a big fan of the Friday the 13th franchise. It's so uh, overdone, in my opinion. But I have seen the standouts, like the reboot or Jason X. Um, I was trying to watch the second Friday the 13th when Jason actually becomes the killer, but I prioritized other sequels. What I was going to say with the bear trap, though, just to bring it a little more modern times, which Alex, I know you were alluding to. Also, Quiet Place 2 came out, I don't know, a month ago, a couple months ago, whatever, and watched that. I think in the scheme of uh, what I like in a sequel is something that really continues the first story and preferably done by the same director and same actors. So for that, I will say A Quiet Place 2 had that going for it, but um, curious. Brad, I forget if you watched it. Alex, what did you think of that in the scheme of that new horror movie? I think that I'm glad I gave it a chance because I am of the many fan opinion where I get grumpy about mainstream PG-13 creature type movies because of CG and just like there's just so many silly complaints about like just the trappings of when you like 70s and 80s horror films there's just these things you're attached to that modern films don't often have and when they do they call them throwbacks or retro 
And with this one, I love a creature movie. I love a giant animal. I don't care. I just want a thing that is hostile to people that can overpower them. And that's just fun for me. Uh, sometimes I don't need to see it. I think I would have liked the first one better if they resisted showing it a little longer. And I do think that if you think about it for more than four seconds, it they can both easily be picked apart. But knowing that and just having a positive attitude going into it, I think they were pretty good. I liked both of them. And watching them back to back was the move. Having that continuation, like it feeling like one big movie, I was like, you know, I could use a third one. It felt like what prestige TV feels like right now, where I'm used to long episodes of things that uh, take time to develop characters. And as much as it has every ingredient about a movie I would never want to watch, I'm glad that I watched both of them because they, they went for it. I think it's interesting. I want to give more people a chance because it's like, what am I going to do? I complain all the time about the direction of mainstream movies because people don't take risks and things, but it's like, we got one of the biggest sitcom characters in the world for the last, well, in America for the last decade to make two horror films and they're pretty fun. Like, fun isn't even the word. They take themselves seriously. There's no tongue in cheek. There's no silliness. He's like, I made a monster movie. I made two of them and they're good. Yeah, I echo all of that they're really well-made movies and i'm super into monster movies super into like the post-apocalyptic like setting of like stuff like this because i think it's super interesting to see how like spaces that we are familiar with like homes and houses and shops and stuff like that how they're used in like a society that doesn't need them for how they're typically used anymore i think one of the things like most about the second was where uh what's his name the the guy murphy Yes, Killian Murphy, Killian where Murphy. he like yeah. chose to live. Like, I think that was like a super cool thing. But my complaint with these movies, like I enjoyed them, they're good, they're well made, is that it's just so like stripped down. Like this is gonna sound so pretentious, but it's so like stripped down, like for the masses, horror, like kind of like Conjuring right. movies a little bit. But yeah, it's that's why I resisted for so long is because of things like the Conjuring, which I am. Uh, opposed to i just it's not my vibe it's not for me i'm not the audience i'm not be really quiet and then something's screaming in your ear and just the jump scare kind of and I, ugh, I don't know man I, I could complain about the conjuring all day but i understand where you're coming from and i think there are plenty of valid complaints about the story in that movie everything can easily fall apart but uh if you go into it with the right I was in a good mood. I think that's all it comes down to. I was in a good mood, watched them back to back, and I gave it time. I wanted to watch the movies, and I enjoyed them a lot more than if I had gone to see them in theaters, I think. Yeah, and I think at face value, I really liked the second one. I haven't watched the first one in a minute, and uh, we talked about this in the chat a little earlier about uh, I always think it's ambitious when you use like kids at the brink of puberty and are trying to make a streamlined movie i think i forget if it and it part two had the same issue with the kids growing up but uh now that i'm thinking more to a quiet place part two i guess it's really just a copy and paste of the first one like okay great we have uh john persinski died so we're gonna put in another uh, male protagonist yeah. to kind of fill that role and there were some you know more interesting scenes and kills and whatever but if I really think about what both of those movies brought to the table, it was essentially the same thing, but there was just more finality to the second one. Mm -hmm. So, and I, I feel like in terms of sequels, 
that's great that we kind of got the sense of closure that maybe you're hoping for in the original, but I tend to not like a sequel that's a copy and a paste with maybe some new characters. Like I think um, I haven't seen Nightmare on Elm Street sequels in a while, but I feel like the second one or maybe it was the third is like the same thing, but it's like a dude is the male protagonist. Oh no, so, the second one is uh, that you use an interesting example because of how hated the second one was and how nowadays it is lauded as this, this because we can look back and go, Oh, it was written. Like there's so much written about that one, about it being uh, one of the gayest movies ever made like for real. Uh, it, and uh, even the, the main character is an openly gay man who left Hollywood because of how, what that movie did to him. They, he did a, Oh, what is his name? Mark something or another. He did a documentary that is on Shutter, I think, or Amazon called Scream Queen. That is really good about that and about talking to the director and confronting him about some of the things he went through. Then the third one, actually, it, they tried to like pull it back and make it a sequel to the first one. It was a different thing, and the third one is my, it, everyone's favorite in the franchise, including me. But I I see where you're coming from because it, as I thought about it, I'm like, no, it kind of is. No, okay, I take it back. I lied again. Uh, it's not a copy because Freddy is trying to possess this. He has powers in the second one that he doesn't have at all in the rest of the series. He's trying to take over the main character's body to, I don't know, not be yay. It's crazy. You should rewatch it. It's insane. And you should watch the first one to the second one. There's just scenes of S&M. There's like... There's a scene where the the coach, the, like the coach on his team, for no reason, he meets him in a gay bar, and they end up in a shower at the school where he's towel whipped to death, like on his ass. It's crazy. I don't know why I went off on that, but Nightmare Two was absolutely going to come up naturally from me anyway because it is one of the horror sequels that is has so much spoken about it, and it's it's worth a rewatch if you haven't seen it. Sorry for it's all God. I remember about it. I was like, is that the one with the guy? And there's a You're locker right. room and a towel. You are right, whip. yeah. Yes. It's like, I only remember some of these sequels by the kills. Like, I'm like, oh, the reboot of Friday the 13th is the arrow across the lake. So I don't know. But, you know, that's kind of like the uh, Friday the 13th franchise, Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. I pretty much give up after the first two, maybe three. Although I will say, and this kind of dips more into a discussion of sequel versus just a franchise, but Wes Craven's New Nightmare from 1999, that's very meta of uh, Heather Langenkamp, the actress who plays Nancy, kind of reliving. I'm doing a bad job explaining, but Alex, you give me a thumbs up like you know the movie I'm talking about. It was the first Nightmare on Elm Street I ever saw on TV. It was on TNT all the time when it came out. And so that's the one that I'm most passionate about because that's what got me into the franchise. Not having seen the first one, I saw the movie that was about Freddy Krueger going after the actors and effects people that made the first movie many years later, which was a novel concept at the time. And it holds up really well. It's really, it's a really good movie. Just letting, um, what is his name? Plays Freddy Krueger. How did I forget? Robert England. England. Thank you. Robert England. Be Robert England. If you've never seen a Robert England interview, I think he's one of the most magical actors that's ever acted because he is a thespian through and through. And he, he preaches what he does as, as if he's doing Shakespeare and it's amazing. And he believes every word of it. And in new nightmare, he's like shown in his home studio 
in like a full suit. And I can't remember if it's Robert England or if it's Wes Craven, who's painting a dream in their scene in the movie where they're, they're speaking to uh, Heather about being chased by. It's a good movie. It's a good movie. That's all. One funny Robert England fact is that my first exposure to him was a Disney channel original movie. Oh shit. The paper the brigade. The paper brigade. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Movie's so good. I just watched it on Disney Plus not long ago. I was like, oh man, this guy, and he plays what, like this kind of like weirdo war veteran dude and being very theatrical. And then when I see a Friday, or not Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, you know, later when I'm maybe 11, I'm like, oh yeah, the guy from the Paper Brigade. Yeah, that is, we watched that. Uh, we had my junior year of high school. They tried to do small town, not in, not any resources. Our, we tried to do a school paper, and it was basically just at the time whatever Mac uh, writing program was. I don't know what their word processor was on Mac computers, but you could basically just make two columns and just print out double sided sheets and staple them together in the corner, and that was our school paper. But at the end of the semester, our teacher let us watch this movie, and uh, it's definitely not. Oh, yeah at that but seeing robert england in that movie i'm so glad you guys knew what i was talking about because it's not it's not a well uh, highly discussed disney channel original but sticks in there sticks in the noggin especially if you're also a horror person didn't have the disney channel growing up so i haven't seen a lot of the classics i know the names i know mr boogity i know i've never seen it i know halloween town i've never seen it and that i know there's a bunch of halloween disney channel originals but i never had the disney channel so that's one of the only movies in Disney Channel history I really know about because of Robert England being in it. I mean, it all makes sense. Okay, so I have a couple movies that I wrote as my favorites sequels. And I feel uh, you guys can pick and choose your battle here. One, I think I'm going to get a big old eye roll from Mr. Alex Lupella. And maybe a gentle nod of encouragement from Brad. The, that one would be The Devil's Rejects. I think is a really great sequel. Oh! Uh, oop, just uh, grimaces all around. Okay, no, that's eye roll. Right. no eye roll at all. That is not an <laughs> eye roll from me. I even I even defend House of a Thousand Corpses, even having rewatched it. So you're you're right to say that I make fun of Rob Zombie a lot, and I. But that's like the only movie he's made that's like a decent movie. So that's hilarious that you're like you're gonna roll your eyes. Like no, if you had said free from hell, that too. would be different. Yeah, yeah. Which I just watched, and that is. Uh, I could go on a tangent about that. Octavia Spencer is in Halloween too. I think she's a scream queen we don't acknowledge because she's also in Drag Me to Hell. She plays a banker that I don't think has a line and she's in Ma. Octavia Spencer's in Drag Me to Hell? Yeah, which I didn't know until I was checking to make sure. I was just checking in on her IMDb because I was like, oh my God, she's in Halloween too. And then I had to Google image her. She's like in the background as a banker. So I don't think she's actually, but uh, I, I would consider Octavia a screen queen. That's, that's a fun fact. That is interesting. And I love it. Isn't movie. that fun? Yeah. But you know me and Rob Zombie, like I know I, I'm aware of both sides of the coin here. Sherry Moon, sweet angel baby, horrible actress, God lover. You know, if I ever get married to a director, I want him to put that much faith in me as a non-actress as Rob puts in a Sherry Moon. But The Devil's Rejects, I really think, um, well, one, it's elevated by its score, but I think what that does well as a sequel is it borrows elements from the original without trying to remake the original. And that's what I really respect about it. I like that. I mean, I haven't seen the movie in a long time. 
I just recently watched the uh, Kill Count video for it. I mean, and when I say recently, it was probably in November of last year. But yeah, I like that the idea that you would appreciate that it took elements from the first, but didn't try to be like, here's the same thing again. You know, I think did a really good job of that. As much as the franchise is definitely, this might be really eye-rolly. And I would understand, is Saw 2. I think if you watch the first one and then watch the sequel, it is doing something similar in a way that is completely different by turning it into this weird kind of haunted house movie. I haven't rewatched it in a lot of years, but for the longest time, I always said the first two Saw movies I liked because they were similar ideas that done in ways that were in, different enough that they were interesting. Speaking of movies that I only remember from kill scenes, is Saw 2 the one with the woman who ultimately is the new Jigsaw and she has like a bear cl- trap or something over her face? Is that Saw 2? She's one of the only survivors, yeah. She gets the thing off of it. She has to dig it out of the guy's intestines. Key. Classic. Movies are great. <laughs> I, I always think of the, uh, the scene with the... I don't... Rem- it, there's a key inside a box and it doesn't make a lot of sense... Be- yeah, yeah. She sticks her arms in it, and there's blades. So she's pulling them out. She's gonna basically tear the skin off of her arms to do it. And then also the um, that the character you're talking about that becomes the new jigsaw, uh, falling into a pit of needles, which is one of the grossest things I've ever seen in a movie. Yeah, like syringes. Okay. Yeah, it's gross. Um. So another question I had just about sequels. You know, I think we've covered a lot of really great ones just as favorites. I did want to give a shout out to Hellbound, Hellraiser Two, another freaking great one. I'm curious, just from semantics, because we've talking about sequels as the second movie, but then dipping into movies that are part of the franchise. Is a sequel like technically just the second movie, or can we just call anything in a franchise a sequel? What's the have we colloquialized that term? Oh, well, okay. Well, go ahead. Alex, what do you think? I think that yes, I just think it'd be anything in the franchise. You can call it a sequel at some point. Obviously, there are weird exceptions to that rule like the weird 2009 friday the 13th which it's a familiar character in a familiar place but we have no idea how or why they got there i was gonna say absolutely anything in the series is considered a sequel the other one of the other movies that i had written down for the previous question was halloween h2o (laughs) 20 years later is one of my favorites it's very much influenced by scream and like other like 90s teen movies of the times but uh i just remember watching that a lot as a kid and that was being like probably my first introduction to apart from the original probably my first introduction to michael myers and i remember being all about it yeah i considered that a sequel even though that's like another one that was like oh all these other movies in between didn't happen this is the only sequel that matters i remember two things from that movie that's the intro I, this might be h2o it might not be i don't remember the ice the, somebody gets an ice skate like a hockey skate to the face it's like the first kill in the movie. Joseph Gordon-Levitt, I think. Amazing. Didn't know that. And uh, Buster Rhymes kung fu fighting him at the end. That is in Resurrection. Oh, is it? Okay, I thought we yeah. said Buster Rhymes was in H2O. No, uh, LL Cool J is. I think. Yeah, he plays like a security guard at the school. But to go back to the question, yes. I would 100% say any movie that's in the series is a sequel. What about yeah. soft soft reboots? Like take like the Evil Dead reboot, for example. Soft reboots. Yeah. Okay, that's a hard reboot. I guess. So I, I, I I'm thinking about right now in the zeitgeist of pop culture, we're talking about Suicide Squad, where the new one doesn't acknowledge the old one, but it kind of does because characters carry over. But I didn't see the old one, 
So I don't really have a lot to say about that, but that's, I just keep saying soft reboot is anything that is just retelling the story. Because that's uh, when we're tying the strings together of the Halloween franchise, that's been something that's been kind of difficult for me is to piece it all together because the original franchise of just, you know, Halloween one, two, three, four, five, which I don't remember anything after the third, obviously. Well, not obviously, but I don't. And with the Halloween 2018 being a sequel to the first one, because I was watching that movie under the guise of we're assuming Michael Myers is Lori's brother. And then it wasn't till Alex, you, me and Tommy talked about it after where it was like, no, because we don't learn that until the second movie. And this movie is not acknowledging that as part of the plot. So it's kind of this whole confusing uh it's like you needed pieces of the original. You needed to know some things about the sequel, but it can really goof you up with those, I guess, soft reboots, as you say. Now, now I'm going to make fun of the, the plot of that in the movie. There's a person that openly acknowledges it and says, isn't he Laurie Strode's brother? And now that was a rumor that was started in the 80s, which is kind of clever and kind of funny because they're acknowledging what they did. As much as I've revisited that movie and don't like it nearly as much as I did the first time I saw it, I went to bat for it hard when I first saw it. I had a lot of fun watching that in theaters. Rewatching it, I'm less excited about it. But I think they at very least did what they should do, which is just pick a side and just stick with it. It's just simplify the story because they know we're there to see Michael Myers be a madman. And they gave us a lot of that in really interesting and satisfying ways in that movie, at least. Even if Laurie Strode being, I, there's like so much good that came from that movie. Like I liked them redoing the opening scenes from the original with her flipped, like her knocking open the closet and her falling out the window and then being gone. Like that was fun, but it's, uh, I don't know. I don't need to see another one. I'm going to, but I don't need to. That's all. What about another one after that called Halloween ends? Let's talk about telling us that there's movies announced in the future, completely taking away any kind of emotional impact the death of characters would have on anybody. That was, I saw one of the, I saw Avengers Endgame, which, which if you haven't seen it, I don't care. And everybody gets snapped and disappears. I'm not going to say spoilers because fuck you. Uh, <laughs> so every, everybody gets like, gets disappeared at the end. And I remember person that I went with crying at that. And I'm not making fun of them for doing that. I was surprised at the emotional impact it had because we knew there was another movie and that it was going to be undone. There was no question about it. And then when we went and saw, um, maybe it wasn't, which is the first one, which one, not Endgame, the other one, the first infinity war, infinity war is the one I'm talking about. Endgame in the opening scene, they revisit the kind of the snap. And then the same person I went with, and the person to the left of me, who was a complete stranger, both started soft crying at the same time when they revisit the snap in the beginning. I'm not, I'm not making fun of them. It was a funny predicament for me to be in. I just cannot vibe with that because I have the foresight to say, great, we, then Michael Myers isn't going to die. That's less interesting. I think we're in an age where there are so many people like us. I mean, I guess people with a bigger platform than us and more considered media than us that report on like everything that comes out of things we enjoy that will never be at a state where we're like, Oh, are they doing a sequel to this movie? I don't know. Oh, is this planning on being like a whole series? I don't know. I think we'll always come to a state when they ever announce like the next Friday, the 13th or Nightmare on Elm street, they're going to announce like 18 in a row. 
and like fucking look at Avatar. They have like I think I just saw something the other day that the the old guy from uh don't that movie. Uh he, Wait, you said- there was an article. What's that? Which which old guy from what? Sorry, I cut out a little bit. Don't breathe. Okay, yeah, the, yeah. He was in Avatar, the first one. I saw an article like the other day. It said, I forget his name. It said, blah, blah, blah. Says he cried while reading the script for Avatar 5. I'm like, the second one hasn't even goddamn come out yet. What is he doing crying about the fifth one? It's been over a decade. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's I mean, been I, like a running joke. It's Duke Nukem Forever, the movie. <laughs> I just don't think that we'll ever like to your point about, oh, I know there's another Halloween movie coming out, so it kind of takes away a lot of the emotional impact of it. I think that we're kind of at that point where we'll never not know about the next movie coming out. Yeah, and it does kind of feel a little bit um, disingenuous to those of us that enjoy certain franchises where it feels more like, you know, when you have Avatar 6 in the docket for however long from now, I'm like, oh, so you care less about the emotional investment of me as a viewer and more of banking on the fact that me as a like bored person who likes a franchise is going to continue to pay to see your movies, even if they suck, which sucks. And that's my thought. This has turned into the, the Millennials Realize Capitalism Sucks, the podcast starring everybody. But I, I completely agree with you. It's it's frustrating, and I don't know if there's anything we can do about it because of the way that money floats into Hollywood, especially with the pandemic and how going to movies is so different now that I can imagine even if tomorrow COVID disappeared and everybody started going back to theaters and droves, the fact that we've opened the door to parallel releases as a staple of how things could happen I, I don't know that filmmaking is going to ever be what we were used to, where there were surprises. I think there's just too much money wrapped up into that system, and there isn't enough left for smaller smaller budget movies, because there isn't as much to like get back because of streaming. I'm for it. I'm glad there is that. But I was just um, listening to the podcast Smartless with Jason Bateman, Will Arnett, Sean Hayes, and they were interviewing J.J. Abrams, and they were just talking about this exact thing of theatrical releases versus streaming. And they, uh, I think Sean Hayes had brought up Aliens as an example of just kind of the experience, which, you know, speaking of sequels, but it's like, do we need to talk about Aliens? Like, we all get it. It's good. It's, you know. Maybe better than I haven't. First. I've intentionally not brought up Evil Dead 2 because it is the most... Everybody gets it. It's a it's a remake sequel of the first one, and it's great, and I love it. That's it. Yeah. Every time I rewatch yeah. it, I go, "Shit, this is better than I remember it." I know how you feel about it, Brad. Actually, you should. Yeah, I was gonna that. say you should. I would. I don't want to disappoint you guys, but I don't like Evil Dead Two or Aliens. I prefer the first one in both of those fran- franchises. Yeah, I love it. Sorry, I respect the Alien thing. I like slapstick enough that I think that. Evil Dead 2 is funny without being a mockery. And I I like what it did. There's a lot of movies that try to do the same thing that aren't. They they turn comedy and horror into we're making fun of horror. I like that it is both things. Same reason Shaun of the Dead works really well and that kind of thing. But Alien. Alien is a horror movie. Aliens is an action movie. I can see why you would only like or you'd prefer one to the other. Also, Brad, you had mentioned the actor from Don't Breathe, so I think we have to talk about how Don't Breathe has a sequel, even though the first Don't Breathe 
was like one of the most forgettable movies I watched in the last five or so years. It wasn't bad, but I also didn't realize. Did he die? The main girl, no. So what happened was, um, I actually just looked up the plot today because I was trying to refresh what happened. There's the three robbers. Two of them died. The gal, uh, her name is like he or something. She gets away with her sister. And then the bad dude basically is okay. And it gets framed as, oh, only two people had invaded his house and stole his money. So he kind of, so he survives, but does not acknowledge that she was there. So something, something, something. But the first movie was directed by, I'm going to say this wrong, Fede Fide Alvarez. And so he's not directing the second one, but he is producing it along with Sam Raimi. And Sam Raimi obviously did the original Evil Dead, but this Alvarez, he did the reboot of Evil Dead. So it's kind of like a full circle. Speaking of sequels, reboots. Evil Dead. Yeah, that's why I was so excited about Don't Breathe, is because I liked Fede Alvarez's version of Evil Dead a lot. I like to point to it as the thing that uh, everybody went into with their arms crossed, and then we got an insane movie that is hard to watch, and I think it's great. I really like it. I have a new question for you guys. It's on my questions list that we've kind of been dipping into, but um, I'm curious... What do you, so there's a couple formats that we've touched on with sequels, ones that kind of pick up where the original leaves off, or you have sequels that kind of just revamp what we've seen, like Army of Darkness, like Hannibal, Red Dragon, that kind of take elements from the original and twist it. What do you guys think in terms of how that maybe helps or hurts the likability or success of a sequel, or if that's even related at all? I'm going to jump into two of the franchises that I've just been talking about endlessly this whole podcast. But I think it really, really depends on, I guess, the direction the filmmakers are going and the the production company. If they're doing something in earnest, like to like make a good movie, then sure. But if you look at something like Jason X, it's just so ridiculous. They kind of lost a lot of credibility with the character until they did Freddy versus Jason, which is like a jumping the shark in like a whole other direction, even though it was teased and Jason goes to hell. But I kind of want to jump back into Halloween because earlier you said, uh, I don't even remember what like the fifth one or sixth one or whatever is about. It gets really stupid. And it turns out that Michael Myers, before he was born, was like selected by a cult to be like some kind of killer. And so he has supernatural powers. It's called the thorn or some shit. So he has supernatural powers and that's why he's like unkillable and like is a kill crazy killing machine. So it kind of takes away like his agency. But it's a sequel and they wanted so badly to like differentiate it and like add a new wrinkle to the story that it just made it laughable. And they I think with the next movie, H2O, they completely said, all right, let's forget about all this stuff that happened. So, I don't know. It really depends on the intentions of the filmmakers and where they're going with the sequels that kind of take something from the original, but, like, turn it on its head. Like, I think you talked about Army of Darkness, and granted, I just said I wasn't a huge fan of Evil Dead 2, but in college, I was kind of, like, re-watching those for the first time again, and I was surprised at just how bonkers and out there Army of Darkness was. I don't know. I'm not 
I'm not about that series for the most part, so somebody else can jump in if they want to talk specifically about that. It's considered a holy series that even Bruce Campbell seems annoyed to be a part of still. Some of the episodes of Ash vs. Evil Dead were a ton of fun, but when they sucked, they sucked. Uh, that show should have been a little bit longer than like 22 minutes, and some of it just felt... The first season could have been really good, and it, they had a clear ending to it, but then they got renewed, and you could tell because of one line at the end of it. And the only reason I bring that up is because I love Evil Dead 2. I love Army of Darkness. I've seen Bruce Campbell do present these movies before live. I went to a book signing he was at when I was in high school. Yeah, he hosted Army of Darkness at the Paps Theater in Milwaukee when I was living there. And it was uh, insane because I watched a movie in a giant theater made for music. On top of that, when he did Q&A after that, there was a drunk person in the crowd and she just kept asking stupid questions. And when I say stupid questions, I mean, he, he there was a point where Bruce Campbell was like, have you seen the movie? And she goes, no, but you looked hot on the poster. And uh, his response was, and she was probably my age at the time. So she's probably like 24, 25 like 2013 2014 and his response was just now there is somebody that clearly has daddy issues and that was one of the funniest things i've had. bruce campbell is very cynical with his audience and i am willing to let that die so i know i think it's great i love that what they did with the franchise was they took it from a bunch of kids in college trying to make interesting scary movie about possession to the more splastic version of that with a better budget to we made an adventure movie that continues this like slapstick tradition, but it's not it's not really a horror film. And I think it could have easily ended there and I would have been totally fine with never seeing it again. I'm okay with small contained things. I don't need a lot of something. One of my favorite characters of all time, this is gonna go really over really well with some people, uh, is the Rocketeer, who has, I think, a fantastic Disney movie. It only had like 13 issues of the comic book. They did some shorts later, and I don't really need it to come back. I'm happy with what exists. If it came back, I'd be stoked as hell. I'd be out there right away. I would buy, I'll buy every comic book that has his name on it, or whoever they make into it, because they were talking about bringing it back with a lady as the Rocketeer, and great, good, cool. Give me more stuff with that character. I'm, I'm in both camps. I think that, I don't even know if that was your question, was if, uh, if I, I, but I'm answering it, aren't I? It's just... I, I like series to be smaller. I like things to be contained. I like miniseries over long form series. One of my favorite, other favorite shows of all time, The X Files, is a great example of that. There's so much good in it, so much. But when it's bad, it's rough. It never needed to exist as long as it did. And it burned out rather than, you know, is it better to burn out or fade away? It burned out real bad. Yeah. I'm not really leaving anybody space. Please, Nikki, take the mic away from me right now. No, you're good. That was. Um... All very good. And I really did enjoy that Bruce Campbell part. Because I'm like, who among us hasn't had uh, some zaddy issues with Bruce Campbell on the poster? You know what I mean? Not a bad looking guy. But I think in terms of an immediate sequel, I always err on the side of, I love a part two. Like A Quiet Place is technically part two. Hostel, I know Hostel is not for the faint of heart. I enjoy Hostel and I also enjoy part two because it's a continuation of the story. The Descent is kind of like a part two in the sequel. And I think those are really good follow-ups. But then I think sometimes these franchises get a little comfortable, a little cocky. And then you get Halloween 3, which has nothing to do with anything. You have The Exorcist 3. 
And those are not bad. They kind of become their own. They became fame, become famous in their own right, which I super appreciate. And like with uh, Silence of the Lambs, as we were talking about, I really liked, well, kind of talking about, I really do like Red Dragon, which is a prequel that comes after the sequel of Hannibal, which isn't as good because I rewatched it yesterday. So I do respect both for what they are, like the continuation in a sequel, but then the things that kind of stray on their own. But I don't know. I don't think I really answered the question either. <laughs> what do you think of the, the Hannibal TV show where it's taking the storylines from, I think it was a book series before it was a movie. I didn't look it up. I think Silence Lambs is great. I remember watching Hannibal as a kid and the scene where the guy's eating his own brain scarring me for life. Is- I can say what you will about that movie, that scene I've never been, I was a kid and I was like, there's something that like gave me nightmares about watching a guy take a piece of his own brain and eat it. It was, in, is, yeah, I, yeah. and then they do that again in the show. But I, did, have you seen the series? Yes. I, I watched a few episodes. I can respect it for what it is. And um, I got, who's that main actor? The German guy, I think. I forget. I know. I could draw a picture of his face before I could name him. I think he's, I think he's Norwegian, yeah, Not, uh, but uh, yes, Matt Mickelson. I might be wrong about his I'm ethnicity just as well. Appropriating European culture here, but the series people- is uh, good. But the Hannibal, the movie, I just rewatched it yesterday. Cause yeah, like what you remember when you see it, when it uh, comes out is the brain scene. He's, he's Danish oh, by the way. Uh, oh, so I was close. Just Not kidding. my people. But sure. It really, the sure. brain scene does not hold up. Uh, the visual effects are just a nightmare. But okay. the fact that that movie has Ray Liotta, Gary Oldman, Julianne Moore, I mean, it should be better than it is. But so it's kind of funny to go back to it because, yeah, at the time, that brain scene fucking rocked my world as well. How are the effects of the guy cutting off his face? They were fine. Because what they did is not really show it. They showed it in kind of like this blurry, fun, party-like editing. Gary Oldman, speaking of hottie horror dudes, long Bruce Campbell, wish I got to see more of Gary Oldman before he sliced his face off in that movie. I, there's a couple other movies I think you can appreciate him in. Those. Oh, yeah. I, series is great. I was just curious as how you felt about something completely retelling it uh, or taking a movie and turning it into a full-run series, even though it's just contained story that they have to stretch out. I think the series is a good example of doing something fun with it. I'm not going to convince you, but stick it out. It gets really good. I think that show is amazing. And I took me years to watch it because I was of the, like, why would anybody other than Anthony Hopkins ever be Hannibal Lecter? Maz Mickelson's awesome. He's really good. I agree. What about the, um, have either of you watched the Scream MTV thing? I have not and will not and have no interest, but I watched some of Scream Queens, which seemed like the first iteration of something like that. And that show was so cynical about horror in the first episode that I watched. I was like, I don't want to watch this. It felt like they were just making fun of slasher movies in a way that was just shitty. Like every character, I just, you need somebody, even the killer, you want to have somebody you root for. And there was just nobody on that show. They made Jamie Lee Curtis an asshole in that show. That's not Scream, but that's what the Scream gave me that vibe. And so I was just like, I'm good. I'm not going to watch either of those. Maybe I'm wrong about one of them, but wasn't a fan. 
I don't think you're wrong about either. <laughs> Brad, did you watch Hannibal the series? I didn't. Uh, but I read the books when I first started at the job that we all worked at together. They were, I think I read them out of order because I, I used to ride the Metra and they had like a little uh, library system where they just had like books. And I was like, hey, take this book on the train with you and just like drop it off when you're, when you're done. So I read Silence of the Lambs because I knew it. I knew what it was. Uh, it was fucking great. Then I read, um, I think it was Red Dragon is the name of the first one. And then Hannibal was the third one. Um, and they were awesome. And I watched all those movies and I was not as big a fan of Red Dragon and Hannibal. And then I was like, do I read Hannibal Rising? This is like a prequel. And I looked it up. Apparently he wrote that because the studio was wanting to make a prequel movie about Hannibal called Hannibal Rising. And he says, well, I... Yeah, it sucks. I have you seen it? But he apparently yeah. wrote... It's bad. Geez. He wrote the book out of spite to kind of have something with his name on it saying, this is the book I wrote versus their movie. So I haven't read Hannibal Rising, the book. Um, probably won't. You've you've sold me on the idea for the book that it's a spiteful book because the movie yeah sucks. it's like Larry if Larry David was an author yeah. it's a spite book spite story yeah <laughs> I I whenever I say something like that I feel like I need to qualify it I don't remember that much about the movie but I remember seeing it in theaters and I remember it being a love story and him becoming a cannibal being the sort of thing that splits them up I don't I don't remember enough about it to feel like I'm qualified to say other than I remember the feeling of going that was a bad idea. That's I was going to ask what I don't even think I saw Hannibal Rising, but like I was going to ask what the gist of it was. Sounds like that's that's it. It feels like it feels like a period piece in which a, a person eventually is supposed to turn into Hannibal Lecter, but it's a love story essentially between two people where one guy slowly turns into Darth Vader. That's it. Well, yeah, I uh, certainly am not inspired to revisit that anytime soon. He really hates sand, what I hear. He does a little monologue about sand, it gets everywhere. I hate it. But he's people. Speaking of everything we've talked about, sequels, reboots, all of it, how are you guys feeling about slash what is your emotional response going into the Candyman reboot that is coming out this month, I believe? Very is it this month? I think so, yeah. Hope so. I'm very excited about it. I, I share those feelings as well. It looks I awesome. I don't know if we've talked about it. Maybe we did in our episode zero for the podcast, but they filmed a lot of it near the place that we all used to work at, so it's very surreal watching the trailers. Like, oh, I know where that thing is. I walk by that sometimes when I go get lunch. I don't think I've watched the first one since I worked there, and I'm wondering if, because a lot of it had to be shot in the same area. Maybe not. It, it takes place there at the very least, in Cabrina Green. The fact that the movie was... Di like, uh, there were a lot of liberties taken in the movie that are different from the Clive Barker story makes it a malleable character that I'm interested to see other people portray and tell in different ways. I'm very excited about it. It's, it's in the right hands from somebody that seems like they really love the original. That's all I really need, is somebody to try and, and make something. Like you were saying earlier about I'm trying to remember what example you used, but just for people that don't really care anymore and they make a movie like Leprechaun in Space. Yeah. And Jordan Peele has yet to lead any of us astray. And I think Candyman, uh, Candyman was never my favorite. And I rewatched it a couple of years ago. And it is kind of interesting that it is 
a story about the struggles of Black America that is led by a white female protagonist. So I like that this reboot seems like it's going to take the turn that it needs to make that story a little more told than making it through just like this white lady lens. And again, Jordan Peele has not led me astray yet, so I am particularly excited. Didn't love Us, but Get Out was so strong that it's going, I will continue to have faith over a while, like a long period of time. The only filmmaker I can think of that ever let anybody down for a long time after making a banger was M. Night Shyamalan. So, oh, who also has. And I still, I, I still want to see old. Like, I still want to watch it, even though I should know better. I, it's kind of the same thing where, like, M. Night Shyamalan got me so good with The Sixth Sense and Signs. I don't know if anyone likes Signs anymore. I also really liked The Village at the time. So it gave I like such a, a uh, good first few steps that I'm willing to forget Lady in the Water and uh, all the other movies of his that I have forgotten because I repressed those memories. So I will also be watching Old. I liked Lady in the Water, too. That's a bad opinion. It is. There's no twist. It's just a weird fantasy story. I don't remember much about it. I distinctly remember the character that says i'm only working out one side of my body it's a science experiment and he has really buff one side of his body that's the only thing i remember from that movie even though i'm here to say like i I think i liked it but compared to uh, i don't like the village i I think the twist really cheapened the story for me and it was you kind of see it coming from a mile away i i hit it, when I was when that movie came out, I was in my I want to say it was my late teenage years, and that was when I I had seen Fight Club and I had seen many iterations of that sort of the twist plot where it's all in somebody's head. That's not what happens in the village. But after seeing that movie, I remember going to see the Johnny Depp film. This has nothing to do with sequels, but I guess that's why we're we're doing the pun on scatterbrains. But I remember going to see that uh, that movie Secret Window where he plays, I think it's a Stephen King story. I could be wrong about that. Um, you should, we should look into that. Based off but, the rear window. Uh, someday. What? Yes, it's based on rear window. It, where I was like, if this turns out like Fight Club and it turns out he's the killer the whole time, I'm going to be so mad. Wait, do you have Secret Window? I have it pulled up. Right? No, I just... I thought you went and got like a DVD copy and were like, check no, it I... out. For some reason, just decided to grab the two Stephen King books that are in my basement here that I still have to read. But they're also oh. both from the um, that library service. Oh, thing. that's fun! I need to give them back. I haven't read them yet. <laughs> I'll give them back soon. I got it like a year ago. It's just so far on my list. Fun. Sorry. My point was just that I started to try and like call endings, and that ruined movies for me. And I think that's just me doing the movie a disservice. And the end of that movie, me being like, I bet it's modern times. I was so mad at that movie for some reason. Yeah, I want to. We haven't even brought up the, the happening. Correct myself. I said Secret Window based on Rear Window. That's not true. Disturbia is based on Rear Window. Secret Window is based off of correct Stephen King book, Secret Window, Secret Garden. Thank you. Yeah, because he buries people in the garden and grows corn. Yeah. Well, I uh, loved Disturbia when I was a freshman in high school. My sophomore year in high school, I got arrested for a totally nonviolent crime. The guy survived. It's cool. There was no, there was no victim. We just fucked around with a sign and made it say penis. Um, but I was like, man, 
I hope I, I'm a homebody for sure, but I've thought to myself, man, I hope I get house arrest this summer so I can be like Disturbia. <laughs> so the first ticket I ever got, I was 16. I was either 15 or 16. And it was, I think it was 2004. So it was when George W. Bush was running for re-election. And a lot of the punk rock bands I was listening to at the time, just see punkvoter.com, no effects, all the bands related to that, were really into hating on George Bush, which I thought was a really good idea. And a friend of mine and I drove to, he, he could drive, I didn't have a license at the time. We drove to a, a small town about an hour away from me where I was at in Minnesota. And the entire drive up there, every time we saw a Bush Cheney 04 sign, we got out of the car, we took our skateboards out of the back, and we smashed the shit out of those signs. When we were about five minutes from town, we, and keep in mind, there's nothing between the, the house I live in and this town. It's just woods. That's where, that's where I'm at right now. And we were going to Grand, Ra uh, Grand Rapids, Minnesota, which is the birthplace of Judy Garland. It's beautiful. It's not. It has a big factory and a mural to Wizard of Oz, you can see. Right across from that mural is a teen center where we had local bands play, and that's where we were going. We rolled into town about five minutes out of town. We see across the way, there's like a dirt road that is parallel with the road. And on this dirt road, for some reason, there are two signs. And I suggest he run those signs over. So he does. He pulls pulls off into someone's driveway, rolls onto the dirt road, runs over the signs, and then we drive into town. We pull up on a gas station where there's a giant, like, like six by six just sign uh, of just Bush Cheney 04 at a gas station. And we then leave and we pull into, we're, we're across the street from this teen center. We're at an intersection and there are squad cars everywhere. There's like three or four of them. Let's rewind a little bit. This is important to the story. The last time we were there, I had a cop stop me with my skateboard and take it from me. And we had to convince him to give it back. We see kids skateboarding around this place and we think the cops are there to give the skaters tickets. So we roll the windows down and we scream, get out of here. They're going like, there are cops here. Like you don't want to do that. And we pull up in front of the venue and then the, the, the squad cars surround our car, three cars surround us. Needless to say, they weren't there for the skateboarders, and somebody had a cell phone, this newfangled thing that not a lot of people had, and they saw us run over the signs, and they called the cops. We could hear over the police radio when the main cop pulled, walked up to the car window. We could hear somebody, clearly the guy in the gas station with like a police radio, saying, I saw them eyeing up my sign, too. And so we got a ticket for destruction of government property, which is the, the first ticket I ever got in my life, which is probably the coolest thing that's ever happened to me. And I've never, I peaked. You guys are new. And Oh, and they made us, they made us leave. They made us leave. They said, they, they like, uh, they called my friend's parents and he said like, we need to see you leave in town before. Like we got chased out of town, old West style by cops. There was so much more to that stupid ass story, but yeah. Anyway, I also got, I didn't get arrested, but I got a ticket for that, and we had uh, a court date. It was like 160 bucks. Well, I think you guys are fools. I've never gotten caught for any of my illegal crimes, and I have destroyed a mailbox. And I have, you know what? I won't say this because what if we become really famous? I don't want anyone after me. Well, then people will think you're cooler. And Let famous. it out. Should I just say it? No. <laughs> I wish I had. I wish I had cooler stories than. Um, Stealing and like office space style obliterating a neighbor's mailbox because it was a school bus. And then they got a new school bus mailbox, uh, like smoking pot when you shouldn't. And then like one time I crawled, not crawled, we like uh, went onto my elementary school's roof and just like walked around and shit. It was like pretty fucking cool. 
Yeah, that's all. I did not get the ticket for this, but a friend of mine was driving through a Taco Bell drive-thru, and I decided it would be funny to stand on the hood as they went through, like Superman style. And I just stood there without making a face because I was 16, and that's what you do. And the, a cop pulled my friend over. I got off the car and then got into the passenger seat, and then they got the ticket for letting me do that. I didn't, I didn't, they didn't, I didn't ask them to do it. I didn't say, won't this be funny? So I got my friend a ticket for reckless endangerment because I was standing on the hood of a car going through a Taco Bell drive You know what? I also have a similar <laughs> story to that when uh, my brother and I were kids, when we were going down our street to pull into our driveway. I don't know how this was ever initiated, but my mom used to let us get out of the car when we were like 20 feet from getting in the driveway and sit either on the hood of the car or the trunk on the car while she like pulled into the driveway. I'd be like, oh, mom, 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 can we get on the car and like sit on the car while you like pull into the driveway? She's like, yeah, fucking get out, go. That's it. That's my story. I didn't know your mom was the coolest parent that ever existed. Well, there you have it. Yes, indeed. This is the last question I have, and I kind of hate it because it's kind of a pessimistic question. And I feel like we probably tapped into it in our conversation, but my Way to start us out is the opposite of how we came in. What are sequels or a sequel that you really hate or a franchise that you hate? I'll start. I just am very adamantly not into the Friday the 13th franchise, although I respect Jason as a character, and very much not into the Conjuring franchise, even though I have, I said franchise, yeah, franchise, even though I've seen, I think, every single one in theaters. But out of spite. And those are my answers. Well, fuck me, I guess. We'll just cut everything I said this whole episode about Friday the 13th. No, I'm not into... I mean, this is very pessimistic, you're right. But I'm not into... You guys talk about Saw and Hostel. I'm not into, like, the torture porn type horror movies. But I think a more mainstream one is I'm not really into, like, the Purge movies. I don't know. I don't know. It's just... I don't think the people that make the Purge movies are into the Purge movies. I feel like it was an idea that was ridiculous enough that we remembered it, and it became, for some reason, a thing that we kept making, even though there's never been a good film in the franchise. I did actually have the Purge listed as, because one of my other questions that we didn't really get to, but maybe we can answer that here too, is, is any sequel that you like or think is better than the original and I do not like the Purge series, but I think the second one and beyond actually got into what everyone wanted out of the first one, but didn't get. So that's the, that's the one positive thing I'll say about that. I just know everybody has those like neon masks now that they wear in the... Yeah, there's a lot of video game art and stuff I've seen where it's, it's the same aesthetic. But to answer your sub-question, I'll let Alex respond to the, his series, but about movies that are... Sequel movies that are better than the first. Blade Two. We can come back if we want to come back to this 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 question. But Guillermo del Toro. You should talk about Blade Two. I think that's more interesting. I'm gonna say the conjuring. <laughs> it's the same reasons Nikki doesn't like it. We've already talked about it. Let's talk about it. Right, I'm not super into Guillermo del Toro. I'm just gonna put that up, up up front. I like the orphanage, I think, but I did not like his Hellboy movies, and Hellboy is my favorite comic. But I liked Blade Two more than the first Blade. Like I remember we watched my cousin and I, cousin Kenny. What's up, Kenny? Uh, we listened or we watched Blade a lot as a kid, as kids, and we were scared shitless of that movie just because it was like so like brutal and edgy and dark. Like we never seen anything like it, and we watched it a lot. Uh, then a few years later, I was with my 
soon to be best man in my upcoming wedding. Shout out to Aaron. What's up, Aaron? Uh, <laughs> he and I walked. I'll uh, I'll note that it's not Kenny, but we'll move on from there. <laughs> Shit. Anyways, we walked to a video store. It was probably the last time I went to our video store in town. It was like a small store. It was the place that I used to sneak into the horror movie section when I was a kid and look at the horror box art. But we were there to rent Blade 2 specifically, and I don't know why. It's a very random choice on like a Friday night in the summertime. While we were there renting it, the um, guy that was working totally clerked us. Like he was on the phone, supposedly with somebody who had movies that were due back before getting late fees, and he started listing off a bunch of like fake porn titles. And we thought it was like the funniest thing in the world. And later, when I watched Clerks, I was like, "Oh, I understand." But Blade Two is pretty good. It's pretty scary in that like the main villain is like because blade in the first movie like the main character blade is pretty like unbeatable like he's just like a super half vampire and he beats everybody but the villain in the second one is a vampire that eats other vampires and he can specifically like kill blade pretty easily so it kind of ups the stakes and ups the horror elements i guess but i thought that was a good sequel better than the first it being somehow more action is like there was non-stop fighting in that movie it was it's crazy. I should I should revisit that. I also remember Blade Three or Blade Trinity, which is a movie that I think Ryan Reynolds first foray into being a smart ass bad character on things. That's like one of the first things I remember seeing him in. And who else? Parker Posey, I think her name is. I remember her from Best in Show, is also like the uh, the main bad vampire. And then he fights Dracula and it's the most anticlimactic thing that's ever happened in a movie. So Blade Two definitely better than Blade Three at least. Isn't Dracula that guy from Prison Break, like Dominic or something? Probably. I don't know. Doesn't matter. I haven't seen Prison Break. Nikki, Prison yeah, Break. I haven't seen it. Haven't watched the Blade series. Sorry. Um, I would say a sequel that I like. Maybe maybe I don't like it better than the original. But back to what I said at the beginning, Devil's Rejects. I think is a really good sequel because it's kind of a standalone movie that you can watch without having seen the first one and catch on to it as a great soundtrack. I don't know. I just think it's a good one. So I'm just going to, that's going to be my answer for something that's better than the original. Anything else from anyone on sequels that y'all have before we wrap this shit up? I did want to ask really quick about what do you guys think about uh, like shared universes and stuff? Like obviously Marvel and I think to an extent Godzilla are like the only really two working shared universes. But I think it's interesting that the first one was Universal, but now they're trying to do it again with like the Dark Universe, and it like completely fell on its face with that Tom Cruise Mummy movie. Well, how do you guys? What do you guys think about a uh, like shared universes? Does it does it work for you, or do you would you just prefer like a series that's separate from everything? I didn't mention it earlier, and I should have, because when we were talking about sequel slash reboot things that I consider part of the franchise, and even though it's a completely different movie, it takes the basic premise of, I just watched, I just bought a physical copy of Shin Godzilla and watched that again, and it is fantastic. It is such a fun movie. Uh, It's strangely comedic. It is basically a horror comedy, and I, I really, really like it. And so, Godzilla, big fan. And also... This is the part of the episode where I'm happy to bring up the Full Moon universe and the Puppet Master series and how that was one of the first movie studios that tried to do a shared universe with demonic toys and what are the other bullshit movies they've made. 
just Charles Band and like that whole thing. The movie that you saw, Nikki, that I showed you, The Littlest Reich, is not in that series. It was made by a different film company based on the characters from the original. You saw the worst version of it, if you can imagine that. I just had to show it to you because of how horrible some of the stuff in that movie is. That's all. That's all. I, I think that shared universes can be a fun thing. I think that the comic book continuity and crossover isn't necessarily something to strive for. There is a reason that universes get broken up and retconned and split up because that shit starts to just get bloated really easily. So if there are shared universes, I like them to be much more small and contained. You need to have like a captain steering the ship like throughout the entirety of it. Yes. So shout out to Kevin Feige. Hire me sometime. Do it. Yeah, I uh, the shared universe thing I always associate more with Marvel action, that kind of thing. But in a horror sense, I do really enjoy. I've really liked the recent King Kong and Godzilla movies that have come out. Like Skull Island. I don't know. I enjoyed those. But I think that's the extent into which I'm willing to go into this shared universe. Because then it becomes such a big fandom. And there's so much like, oh, well, in the prequel sequel after the third the person actually did this so really that and it just becomes a little too conflated for me and i am a little more of a simpleton when i'm watching a movie so i respect it for what it is but maybe not for me you are prolific you watch movies so much more than i do i would say that when i had a theater that was different i would go see stuff all the time and now I have less access to them and I don't have the theaters that I had around Chicago where I got to go see weird movies too that didn't get wide releases. So it's not as, it's just been a weird couple of years since I had access to that. But seriously, every day you're like, I just go down the list on streaming services and just hit play. And I'm like, that's interesting. And I wish that I were as just willing to hit play as you are. Cause I, I, I genuinely think it's admirable. Thank you. Uh, one more shout out to my mom. She watches everything. We have this running joke. And she, if you think I watch movies or horror movies or whatever, she's like me times 100. The worst thing that you can scroll past, we have this joke where we'll be like, seen it, seen it. And then we can never pick a movie because we've always seen it. Or she'll always pick the worst, most horrible movie. And so we have a really hard time because I have part of my type anus. Oh, shit. Sorry. Type A. (laughs) Better way oh, to say that. that. Yo, shout out, to, shout out to Type Anus. That made the cut. That's good. Let's just change the name of the ep- the show to Type Anus. I don't need splatter the brains. episode name. Episode two, Type Anus. <laughs> oh man, I just became so hyper aware that we were recording the second time I used that term. Um, but my point being, yeah, I do watch a lot of. Speaking of anus, I do watch a lot of shit. <laughs> And I feel like that's probably a great way to just take us out of this episode. Any final thoughts from anyone? I do want to say when I was when I was thinking of the question about a uh, shared universes, I have no. You're gonna say shitting anus. Shitting anuses. Shared universes. <laughs> I have no exposure to uh, Puppet Master or anything like that. But when I was typing up the question, I asked you guys about shared universes. I was thinking of. Alex saying something about Puppet Master and probably some bullshit it's tied into. So thank you for meeting expectations. It's I haven't seen that many of them, but Full Moon Pictures was a production studio late 80s through the night, like through today. They have their own streaming service. And a lot of, if not most of their films 
can't cross over into each other. That's that's it. It's not like it's particularly like, you know, in issue number 300 is the first appearance of Evil Bong, which is a real thing, unfortunately. But it, it's just what I think of, because technically they beat the MCU to the screen with a shared universe. But that doesn't always mean the first thing is the best thing. I just need a real life side note where I have my uh, blinds open to this window here that goes onto my porch, which is like accessible to any person who might want to and like look through this window and I saw a flash come in a couple times and I'm like oh cool someone's out there with a camera phone taking a picture into my apartment this is how I die live on a podcast kind of cool I realized it was lightning kind of a cool like real life scare to uh you know keep my adrenaline high as we approach the end of this episode well on, on that note if whoever is about to kill you is listening could you please not kill Nikki so that we can have another episode yeah do you have any final thoughts? Yeah. Um, yeah. No, this is, this, I was going to make a bit about talking to the guy out the window, but this isn't a visual podcast. It's auditory, so you can't see my gesturing. But what I will say is um, thank you to Brad's friend and cousin. I think who are two listeners who will be tuning into this episode. We are the Kenny. Kenny, Kenny? And the one who's the best man and the one who's not the best man. Awkward. Shut up. Yeah. Yikes. Um, this is Splatterbrains, the podcast where we take the picture horror as a little umbrella and all the shit that you put underneath the umbrella. Under the anus. <laughs> anus. All of the little <laughs> anuses under the umbrella of horror is what we talk about. And we like to go on tangents. Hence why it's Splatterbrains. Get it? Like scatterbrained. So thank you for joining us. And we'll see you, you know, when we do it again. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye. Wherever you step, wherever I step, wherever I step, wherever you step.